0: Hello friends, welcome back to another episode of In No Hurry. I am your host, Cole Douglas Claiborne. So happy to be back with you guys for another episode. I seriously do not take for granted each week those of you that listen and come to hear the conversations that I'm fortunate to bring you on this show. I've been so blessed, especially this season, to have such great guests that are willing to share their stories and just provide such great godly wisdom, and this week is no different. My guest this week is Nancy Hicks. She's an author and previously a spokeswoman for QVC. Earlier this summer, Nancy released Meant to Live, Six Sessions, a brand new course based on her book, Meant to Live, that is dedicated to helping women live a life of meaning, a life where they wake up inspired, where they experience a deep connection with God, self, and others, and where they are fully known and loved. All of this while grappling with her own grief, as she will share in this conversation. Her 27 year old son, David, found out that he was diagnosed yet again with colon cancer. And this year, 2020, has been marked with grief and suffering for all of us in some capacity. And Nancy has what I think is one of the most profound and well put ways to look at suffering. And you'll know it when you hear it. And honestly, it's something that since I've heard it when I talked to her earlier this summer, I've really, really cherished what she had to say about it. So I'm so fortunate to have Nancy on this show, and I'm so grateful that you are tuning in to hear this conversation. I hope this conversation blesses you and provides some hope in a year that has been incredibly hard for all of us. So here's my conversation with author Nancy Hicks. Well, Nancy, thank you so much for joining the show. I'm excited to talk to you. How's everything going for you during coronavirus? And now we started summer and the weather's starting to get nicer, but uh, what's life been like for you these last couple of months and how's everything going?
1: Oh, thanks for asking and thanks for having me. Um, It's going well. Uh, You know, we are, I, I heard actually Tina Fey say, this is her answer and I thought this was a great answer. We have food in the refrigerator and as far as COVID goes, anyway, she, but she just said we're all healthy. That's not our situation. Not, but it's not about COVID. Uh, my my older son has colon cancer, so that's a completely different animal. But uh, but by and large, we're doing well. We're we're moving through all of the stuff together.
0: You know, so yeah, we're doing
1: all right. Yeah.
0: Yes, it's kind of been the 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 gist that I've gotten from most a lot of people is everybody's kind of thankful for our health right now. And yeah. other people, you know, we're, we're sympathizing with those that for whatever reason, you know, whether it's COVID or something else, you know, their, their health is not where we'd like it to be. And you mentioned your son, and I guess we can kind of just jump mm-hmm. in there. Cause you know, <laughs> well, I get it. Well, not, not to, not to go heavy right off the bat here, but you know, th- this time with COVID has, has brought a lot of anxiety. It's brought a lot of um, just confusion, I think to a lot of people. And, just that alone is hard enough. And then you think about everything else that we've got going on in our lives and you've got a, a, a delicate situation with your son dealing with colon cancer. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, this second time, right? I mean, this is the second time that, and so, I mean, he, how, how have you guys been able to manage through this time and, and, you know, stay positive and and keep your, keep your faith. I mean, I know that's a, that's a, that's a very simplistic way of asking it, but I mean, how, how do you, how do you keep that faith during a time like this?
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I don't know. I think the keeping the faith part—that's a—that's a pretty big question, right? right? Because right. one of the things I've come to realize, you know, um, Cole, is that keeping my faith. Um, the question is, my faith in what? Because what? what is very easily done and man we've we've gone in really deep really and that's uh, that's fine with me but um <laughs> you know what you come to understand whether it's covid whether it's racial issues whether it's cancer that hits your 26 year old harvard law student kid um, any of these things, you come to realize that whatever's going on in there will surface. It is going to surface when life hits you hard. And so what what I've come to realize and what I've been really thinking about, praying about, wrestling with God, not against God, but Mm -hmm. with God in this, all of it, is, um, is my faith actually in you or is my faith in an outcome? Right. Which, which, you know, that may, you might need a second, not you, but you know, your listeners, all of us, I need like a lot of seconds, but to really think that through, what does that actually mean? Does that mean that, so for, for David, for example, yeah, a year ago, he was diagnosed with colon cancer, uh, found it while he was, you know, in his first year, he's in his second year of, of, of school, of grad school, doing a public policy, uh, graduate degree and, um, law degree so a dual major at harvard and it was in this yeah so in the second year of his schooling towards the end of it that they discovered that he had a tumor and he's 26 and they figured oh this is not going to be this but it was and um so uh, then they said, "Well, you're 26. You're healthy." They took the t- the tumor out, and they said, "You know, likely it's it's very isolated." And it wasn't. It was, you know, they found of the 26 lymph nodes. You know, they were thinking if there's more than three, it's stage three. Anyway, they found 13 lymph nodes that had cancer, and so this was again. So we kept bumping up against situations, and then you know he went through 12 rounds of chemo while in school and, uh, in the summer and then in school. And then they said, now we're going to check a baseline and see where you are, because we believe with your health and your, you know, your youth, you're going to be fine. And they found out, oh my gosh, you have another tumor on your liver. So he had another surgery. So we've just kept bumping up and all the while in that one situation, I mean, you know, life hits us. Mm-hmm. Um, I am, I am come to re- I've come to face to face with the truth of what I believe. Do I actually have faith in you, God? Like, do I actually trust that you, no matter what my son, I don't know what the future holds for David, mm-hmm. but, um, what I do know is that you are here with us in this and, and I wrestle it out with him. And regardless of what the outcome is, I have no other choice but to love him and believe him and stay with him because I don't know where else to go. Like, I have nowhere else to go. I'm like Peter, you know, when Jesus looked at the disciples and said, you guys going to leave too? And and Peter's like, where the heck am I going to go? Yeah. That's me. I'm like I. I've loved you all my life. Like I adore you. I, my life is you. I don't know a life apart from you. So yeah. that's all I know. You know, and I don't want that to sound cheeky or cute or easy. It is not easy. That's who I am and where I am with that.
0: Yeah, I, I didn't mean to jump so heavily into it. It's <laughs> okay. But, but the reason why is because I, I'm, I'm writing a book about a very similar Ooh. thing. I. I oh. I lost somebody very close to me, also named David, mm. ironically enough and so this past weekend uh, the, as we're talking right now this past weekend I uh, finished what what is my book proposal for my first book and so I, I all of these wow. ideas all of these ideas are fresh on my mind, and so you know I, I was very excited to talk to you about it because the, oh, the, the whole the whole the whole premise of this book that I'm writing is yeah. like when you go through heartache or trial or you know, struggles or cancer or whatever the case is, like yes. you, you're, you're searching for, I'm sure you went through this where you're searching for answers. You're asking God why, and that's all stuff that people go through. But for a lot of people, it can really bring on a very strong sense of anxiety and confusion and anger. And so yes. the whole point of it is like, when you ask God, why oftentimes you actually get not the answers, but you understand the character of who God is and why suffering is part of this world. So that's that's I think what you're talking about is exactly the message that I want to get across as well. And I think it's so true.
1: Cool. I I love I mean I love your premise and I know you wanted to talk about some of these things. Well it's very relevant. Oh we yeah. should be talking and if especially as followers of Christ, I am not gonna put my head in the sand when it comes to what the heck happened to George Floyd i am not going to put my head in the sand when it comes to the fact that we pray and pray and pray oh god heal oh god do this we pray in jesus name and the kid dies like i'm what are we going to do with this this is called a theodicy right god is all powerful god is all loving and yet there's sin and evil in the world and we have to face that head on And frankly, I you know in my book I know we're going to talk about my six sessions of meant to live at some point, but the book that those six sessions that I just released um, the video series on, the book that was released a year ago meant to live, um, I I uh, I talk about this this very issue because I think that the fact is that we, uh, you know, we find out um, you know that we are that we are. have really become fair weather friends with God. Yeah. Like you sold me a bill of goods. God is like, what are you talking about? I told you my child, that in this world you would have much trouble. And I think a lot of people can easily walk away from the faith because they think God told them that it would be this, you know, it would show up this way. And I don't think, and this is what I had written in the book, I don't think that the question is ever why. I don't think the question is, what can I learn? Why does this? I think it is a good question to grapple with. Why the theodicy, this, this, this seemingly paradoxical or, or con- a conflicting, you know, uh, theological truths. I think that's worth wrestling with. What can I learn is the next question people right. want to ask. And maybe the one they land on typically, Cole, what can I learn? My question, my bigger question as I've grown more and more, and as I'm growing more and more is who are you, God? Yeah. I want to know you. Yeah. Like, I don't, don't even tell me what I need to learn. What I need to know is you, the living God. I, I don't want this to be a means to an end. You are the end. You are my end and that is becoming more and more real to me every single day, and that's the truth.
0: I love that, yeah. asking the question, not why, but who are you? And yeah. my pastor, uh, Greg Farrell, I live in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and, and Greg Farrell is our pastor here at our church, and he was on my podcast a, a month or so ago, and he- i gonna do this.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're telling me something serious. <laughs> You see my mug? Someone yeah. just sent this to me because people are sending me gifts and food and stuff. Oh, yeah. Don't lose your train of thought. No, you're fine. <laughs> I'm just like, you're the kind, this is the stuff, right? Like, you know, I want to be the kind of woman who, when her heat, hit, feet hit the floor in the morning, the devil says, crap, she's up. And we think that's funny, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry.
0: No, you're fine.
1: <laughs> okay, back to your story.
0: So, so, our pastor, Greg Farrell, he, right shortly, shortly after he married my wife and I, he, it was like a month later, he got this major issue with his esophagus to where Mm. like he, he almost, we we thought we were going to lose him. We thought he was going to die. I mean, he was flown out to New York several times for surgeries to fix. It's called like esophageal something. I don't know what the the condition is, but he couldn't keep any food down. He was on a feeding tube for months. And he said that a lot of people kept asking him, what did you learn about God through that? What did, what did God teach you through that? And he said, (laughs) he said, I didn't learn anything about God. Because I'm not saying that to be brash, but he goes, I didn't learn anything about God. What what I realized was that everything I believed to know about God, I now yes. knew for a fact. And I think that like, that's a lot of times people, and I don't think they mean anything by it, but whenever you're going through a hard time, they say, what is God teaching you? And it's like, well, that, 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 I, I don't know. There's, it's just like, it's a, it's a weird way to, it's a weird way to phrase it, I think. And it's kind of like, so no,
1: cool. Sense. Actually, can I make it, can I say this to you? Now I don't know. I don't know you really well, right? Like I'll push, yeah. push. But let me say this: I actually think they do mean something by it. In fact, I think we say a lot of things. Uh, you know, it's the racial stuff. It's like those people. Yeah. Wait a minute, that offends me when you say those people. Oh, I didn't right. mean anything by it. Actually, right. you have all kinds of presuppositions, all kinds of unconscious biases, all yeah. kinds of stuff in that very statement that you say now albeit we all step in it we all make mistakes we all use language that we've used right it can, we've come through come through come through but i actually do think sometimes when we say things like what did you learn from god i actually believe that that's exactly what we mean and that it exposes i think it's in these times right i think i i think it's in these times when this is that when our junk and our stuff gets exposed the question is what do we do when it does mm-hmm. Do we shy away from it? Do we deny it? Do we, do we, um, you know, avoid it? Do we, do we defend it? What do we do? We do all kinds of things instead of saying, "Oh my gosh, that's exactly what I meant." Yeah. And I see my sin is ever before me. You know.
0: I yeah. Know. Can you can you expound on that? What, what do you? I mean, whenever you've encountered that, I mean, what is it that you? you kind of mentioned the unconsciousness of it. I think right now, as we're seeing these race issues play out, we're seeing a lot of unconscious thoughts oh. and behaviors come to the forefront. And, it, you know, and, and I wrote a piece recently that basically asks fellow white people to encounter those <laughs> internal prejudices that they might yes. realize. And, yes. and and this is, you know, race, you know, we're, if we want to get into race in a little bit, that's fine. We're, we're you know, whatever
1: but, you want, but
0: in terms of, you know, asking, you know, what did God teach you? I mean, what, what is it that you have felt like maybe is that the hidden not hidden, but what is the unconscious meaning to that question?
1: Uh, you mean in terms of COVID in terms of
0: any, any, any COVID, any mm-hmm. sort of, you know, heartache or struggle that goes on in your life that you know requires somebody to ask the question of what is God teaching you during that time? I and mean, what is, what do you feel like is the, uh, Kind of the unconscious layer of that that you're speaking about.
1: I would say, uh, and correct you know, if I'm not getting what you're going after in my in my response, what you're looking for, push me. But I would say, seriously. But I mean, when people make comments, right? I think there needs to be a a boatload of grace Mm -hmm. on both sides because when people are grieving, when people have you know, I've had a, a dear friend. Who whose 19-year-old son was in a car wreck years ago. And man, I learned a lot about God and a lot about grief during that time. I walked with her very closely for about four years and uh, through that grief. And I think there needs to be a ton of grace on both sides. And I think the people who are stronger at the time, that is the one who has not lost the son or the one who's, who's, who's the white person, not the African slash Caribbean American. Um, it behooves us to stay humble before God. Teach me what I don't know. Open my eyes and my ears and, and speaking less and listening more and, and knowing we're going to step in it. Um, So there's grace. And if that person who is mourning, who is grieving, says something you don't like, does something you don't approve of, that's not the way you would handle it, whatever, that certainly the person who's in in this position of power, right, needs to be, needs to give tons of grace to that person. Yeah. No doubt about it. But I think also I've come to realize that even the people, now this is not a, not a popular thing to say, there needs to be grace from the other side as well. Much harder, might not come out the way you we think, but there needs to be, I believe this grace. It's like, you know, people putting out, um, I want to go down into Philadelphia and do a peace, peaceful protest. Um, but I want to overcome evil with good. I do. I do. Mm -hmm. But I want to overcome evil, but I'm not. I'm not black. My skin is white. So you know that's easier said than done. But I do think confronting does that get to your does that get to your question? Yeah,
0: yeah. And I think like one thing that comes to mind. uh, You know, when I was 14, my mother passed away, and I was very young. And I remember, I I remember my dad saying to me, he said, "Cole, there's going to be a lot of people that they just don't Mm -hmm. know how to. They don't know how to handle. They don't know how to." comfort you. And I was like, he said, so just be gracious with how people, because he basically said, people might say some things that might upset you, but they don't mean to upset you. They just, they're, they're saying what they think is helpful. And I think that at the time, I mean, I think I would have recognized that anyway, because I was even at 14, I was pretty aware of what was happening, but I just, yeah, I I think it's, it's a, it's a good reminder that whenever we do go through things that, at least in my opinion, I do think that sometimes maybe people say things and they don't necessarily they're not trying to offend you and they don't realize how that could affect you and I was I I was appreciated my dad saying that basically like hey when you go back to school you might have even teachers say things like trying to comfort you and they just that if somebody hasn't gone through something like that it's hard to you know it's hard to really empathize fully until you've experienced it yourself.
1: Well, and even even never fully really, because when you go through, say you go through the identical, the identi- it's not even identical. If you know, if if you go through the same sort of situation, you are such a different person than the mm-hmm. person beside you who's going through it as well. So you really never know what exactly yeah. is it's like. But I do think, yeah, so I do I I do think when it comes to grief and people going through a lot of junk and a lot of stuff in their lives. <clears throat> I definitely think, and um, that we, like I've seen positivity signs all over the place. You know, right. be positive. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, for me it's hard, you know, Cole, because I, I am such an optimistic person. I am an upbeat, cheery person. I love to smile. I love to laugh. I love to play. But I also have suffered, and I. I believe that actually the portal to genuine life is suffering and pain. Wow. I think, and I, I, I put this in my, uh, in my materials, you know, I talk about this. I just wrote another piece on this actually, um, that the extent to which you enter into your pain, your suffering, your sorrow, and really meet God in that, right? The extent to which you're willing to go there is the extent to which genuine life is released in you. So I think it is like a pendulum swinging, you know. And so for a lot of people if they go, "Oh, just be positive. The sky, the sun needs to be over your head at all times, the sky blue." Um you are going to if you can't face your sorrows and go there with God and face it and recognize it and and the same with our sins, I think, right? Because that yeah. is our sorrow. Yeah. My sin. Oh my gosh, I I do. I Do actually want my son to be well more than I want you God these kinds of things that we have to face which can only really be done if you're willing to make the space to pay attention to that kind of stuff. Um, The extent to which we're willing to go there the pendulum will swing and real and genuine life will be released in you. And then the pendulum swings a little deeper and God gives you another opportunity to go deeper still. And then the pendulum of genuine life and vitality and vigor is released in you. I think they are equal in measure. I really do.
0: I have never heard it put that way. And, and I, and I love that approach because it's not even just that it's not even just the idea that you have to accept that suffering is part of life, but it's almost like what you're saying is, Embrace it because that's how you're going to grow as a human being, and I think it's a it's a much deeper and philosophical way of basically saying, you know, the hard times make us stronger. I mean, that's obvi- essentially what the point is. But I love how you how you phrase that, where it's like,
1: Thank you. you. You
0: have to really like, almost like you said. I think you said meet meet the suffering where it is. I think it's a great way to look at it because it's not. I mean, you can't you can't avoid the suffering in your life and i think i think the way that we approach suffering is ultimately what is going to affect how we look on the other side of it so I, i've never like i said i've never heard you, i've never heard anybody put it that way and i really, thank, I really
1: you. Like that. thank you i appreciate it and i and i believe it's true because people can very easily misinterpret an upbeat person you know someone yeah. who's who does have you know i i love life I am, I'm a mother, I've got two sons and a daughter-in-law and I'm high, high energy and high capacity. And, you know, my journey through, through in communication all my life, I'm an upfront person. I'm a stage person, a camera person. Listen, I get how people can very easily misjudge and think, oh, you know, it's, um, she's just happy and positive. (laughs) Um, and she's doing it for the camera. And I'm like, no, actually. No, no, I will go as deep as you want to go and you should see me when I pray because I am weeping and crying out to God to get this genuine life. That's the truth. That's what it takes. Don't so it's a fight for life, right? For genuine life. Yeah. I, I think, you know, if you really want to live fully alive, there are so many people right now just getting through COVID-19, just getting through. Yeah. Just can't wait for the doors to open and the gate to open. And and listen, I feel that way but i i'm like oh lord don't help us not to miss it help us not to miss this what you're doing in the middle of all this
0: yeah that was my prayer when this all started was that you know it's a we may never have a time like this again where you know especially with the premise of the show focusing on slowing down life did that for us and i don't wish a pandemic by any means but just the just like the idea of being able to like really pull back from our lives and all of the things that we distract ourselves from are removed, mm. you know, like I pray that there are a lot of people that for the first time they encounter Jesus during this season, because otherwise they may have been distracting themselves with whatever. And, uh, John Mark Comer, who's one of my favorite authors. In one of his mm. books, he uses the phrase, he says, we are distracting ourselves into spiritual oblivion and, mm he's talking about like how we are constantly on our phones. We're constantly inundated with TV, media, you know, sports, concert, whatever it is that we distract ourselves from. Even as Christians, we are distracting ourselves away from our spiritual focused life with Jesus. And so I I pray that this season was uh, fruitful for people to where they could turn their focus on Jesus and realize, look, I don't need all of those things. Like, I'm a huge baseball fan. Personally, I'm a huge baseball fan. I thought that I would be going nuts without baseball. You know, I'm, yeah, a, I'm a huge college yeah. basketball fan, and there was no college basketball tournament this spring. So, that's, you know, this is the first time in my life that I've ever had a spring with no March madness, no baseball season starting. For a sports fan, it's kind of like if you told me this was going to happen going into 2020, I would have been thinking that I was gonna go crazy. But here I am and I've realized look, this is a chance for me to recalibrate my priorities. It's a chance to recalibrate where I put my focus. And I I pray that, that other people were able to do the same because I think that's been for me, you know, the the best use of this free time that I've had. And, you know, obviously like I said, I don't pray for anybody to be sick or a pandemic to ever happen again. But you know, aside from that, the, 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 world shutting down, basically the, our lives slowing down and kind of, you know, being in this quarantine type season, I, I pray that that's what people were able to realize.
1: Yeah. I, it's funny because I, um, <clears throat> I started reading, um, um, uh, Isaiah, I was, you know, I, I, had read through Ezekiel and then I was reading, I am still in Isaiah, I don't know, like I'm 40, I think 50 something. Um there' are only sixty three or some odd chapters, well, only it's like the longest book like <laughs> next to psalms um, I think but anyway, it's one of the longer ones let's ju- ones let's just say that but um but um I wasn't looking as i have been looking into the prophets, I wasn't looking for eschatology for end times. Oh, it's coming. Uh -uh. Listen, I think we're in birth pains. Sure. It seems like that. They could go on for another thousand years. I don't know. What I do know though, is that when I look at the words of the prophet, I will tell you, I'm saying Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, I'm looking at the various prophets and comparing Um, and that historically, you know, Assyria was coming in on them. The empires were coming in on them and they're this little Israel, the people of God, just little, little, (laughs) they're kind of in the, they're just in the way basically. But, but you know, um, I, I do think that there are many messages, many, many messages that, um, we can take. You go okay. So when a prophet speaks 700 years B.C., you know they're speaking to the context of the time, right? Historically, but they're speaking also when it's a prophet, they're speaking into a time as well. And is it also into this time? And is it into a further time? We don't know. We don't. We don't know. But um, but we definitely uh, there are definitely messages that we can take. And I'll tell you one of the biggest messages that I have been hearing from God not just in my reading but in my prayer is the message of repentance and that's for the people of god that's for anyone but that is you're going in this direction turn around like you're going in the, like like you set your ways and you made a wrong turn go back the other way you know and i think that is defi- i know that is definitely a strong message god has been giving me and I don't think it's just for me, though I think it is absolutely for me. But the message mm-hmm. of repentance has been huge during COVID um, for me that I've been hearing from God. Yeah.
0: That's great. And I, I love I love everything that we've gotten into. I know this is the deepest I've ever gotten into right off the bat. So I love uh-huh. it. <laughs> um, Good. I, 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 I do want to talk about uh, so your six sessions of Meant to Live based on your book Meant to Live. Uh, just walk me through this. This is one of my favorite things whenever I have authors on the show is I just, I love any creator really is. I love talking to them about their process, their writing process, how they get from start to finish, because, you know, a lot of it, you know, I selfishly, I'm learning a lot about, you know, to my own, because I'm writing a book for the first time. I was a journalist for a long time. And so my process was always a lot different because it was, you know, interview, transcribe the quotes write the story move on to the next thing very quickly writing yes. a book is a whole lot different because it's a lot more it like, is. I've been, like I've been working on this proposal for almost two years because it's my first one mm. and I want to do it right and I'm just I get it's it. so different than anything I've used I'm used to so I always love hearing from authors like what is like what what has been your process for you know coming up with the idea and putting that idea to paper and seeing it through to fruition and then obviously now you've got these six sessions that are based off of your book so you've expanded on it so um, just from a, you know, first, just from a writing perspective, I mean, how, how was this process for you and and how did you get from start to finish?
1: Well, um, so just so we know what we're talking about. So the book meant to live, you know, it's a, it's a paperback book. Um, and it, uh, directed at the church but i i cannot all all always and only speak to the church like i i was head of outreach and evangelism at our at our church our large church here uh, just outside of philadelphia for a number of years i grew up in the salvation army denomination everything for me is like looking for the person who's like is there life to be had anywhere? Yeah. I can't help myself, right? But, um, so I'm always giving a nod, if not explicitly de- addressing. But in this book, this book is dr- addressing the church, Christians. Disgruntled Christians, unchurched, dechurched, whatever you want to call it. But people who are lo- looking around and going, if this is what it means to be a Christian, I am out. Mm-hmm. And so... um. I started this ministry four years ago, Cole, and um, and you know, I got my master's in theology. I started the ministry, wanted to speak. So I saw this dichotomy uh, where the gospel, the good news of God's love to the world through Jesus is like flourishing in other parts of the world, you know, mm-hmm. um, in Asia, Africa, South America, but here in North America, in the West. Serious radical decline not mm, slight decline. No, no and especially during COVID, There are many vulnerable churches that will not make it and I can list various ones and what they're um some of the, uh, the um, attributes or characteristics of those churches are. Okay. Yeah. So that said, you know, once you're going to do that, I'm seeing this dichotomy. And so I started to get this burning thing in me mm-hmm. and that's what, so once I had the fire and I have fire for a number of different things, but when it comes to, to the church, I'm like, this should not be. Why, why are these people alive and thriving and And here in North America, we are in decline and churches are closing and, 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 and congregations are dwindling. This should not be, that was the first impetus for the book. And then it took me, it took me a couple of years, you know, a good year to, to, to get it out, to get out. What? So what Mm -hmm. you got this burning feeling? So what, what are you going to do about it, Nancy? And I had taught Bible for years And taught um, one Bible, again, here in the Northeast, one Bible class I had taught was 15 women. We grew it up to over 100 women from various areas because they they were everywhere on the spectrum from non-believers to baby, baby Christians to strong followers of Christ. And there was a real variety in there. And I just like, keep it real. Quit the crap and stop deflecting and acting like, I don't know what, we have got to stop. So that was basically, then I'm like, hey, how are we going to do this? I, I identify these four camps of Christians. I started really taking notes yeah. of what I was seeing in the church. And I saw these four, what I call camps of Christians, truth protectors. That would be mine. If I err, if I lean, I lean into that direction, right? They're kind of like the Christian police. God has, they're the Pharisees and God has had to do a number on me to bring me to, to wholeness. And yet I still have that inclination, you know. Okay. Um, the keeping it reals, I don't know if you want me to go into it, but. Sure, yeah. Ha- okay, the keeping it reals are the ones who are like, yeah, yeah, I've come to Jesus. And, and, you know, I can, I can, obedience to him isn't a big deal. I mean, he loves me, I love him, and I can live the way I want to live. Holiness, whatever. Jesus loves me. Okay. Um, that's, you know, Bonhoeffer's cheap grace. Then there's like the hashtag blessed. Um, You know, hashtag blessed is the prosperity theology, which says, come to Jesus, man. This is the one that I think we all subscribe to, but we don't, we all, many subscribe to, but we don't want to admit it. And when COVID hits or when our son is sick or when our spouse has an affair and walks away, that's when, or when the spouse never comes, that's when we are faced with, oh i actually do have a prosperity theology i actually did believe at my core though i didn't know it that if i followed jesus if i checked all the right boxes if i was a good girl or a good boy and i i did all the right things that god quid pro quo there god yeah right you owe me actually And so I think that that is the prosperity theology come to Jesus. Sometimes it's very overt and we export that crap to the nations. And then there's also the, um, oh, what's my fourth one? Um, A worm worm theology. Uh, but that's not what i call it and I'm, not, I'm i'm lacking what that what that camp is called but um the lord will bring it to mind but anyway there's this fourth camp where it's like woe is me and i am just a loser and i don't don't expect much from me and you know this whole camp of people that just have this again this worm theology i'm only a sinner i'm just a sinner yeah. and um so anyway those are all four renditions of the gospel but it is not the good news that jesus came to bring us those are aspects. That all of us have probably a mixture of those, right, in mm-hmm. us. Um, but uh, but um, but but camping out there um, is not ever going to release the genuine power and life and vitality and glory mm-hmm. that God came to give us through Christ. And, and that's what I go after in the book. And then you know I released the audio book, and I read it. Um, because my background is in performing arts and I was, yeah, back in Canada. I'm from Toronto originally. I've been in the U S for 20 years, but back in Canada, you know, my first degree is in voice performance. I sang classical music and musical theater on main stages back in Canada. Um, And then we had our children and moved to the U S and then I went into television. I was on air with QVC for 10 and a half years So, um, so, so I did an audio book and I read it myself and I loved doing that because I have passion about it, obviously. And then I could
0: could tell how you would be a good voice performer. I, 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 yeah, I could, I, I, it all makes sense now. I could tell. Yeah. You you definitely have a theater background. I love it.
1: Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) I, yeah. Thank you. Maybe it's not a (laughs) thing. you you are dramatic i'll tell you people no i
0: think it's great my nephew my nephew is 10 years old and he is he's really getting into theater and he was supposed to be gaston in the beauty and the beast this spring and it got Uh, postponed because of covid uh, i
1: know and
0: and he was so i mean like he, he plays sports and all that too but like like my sister is was always kind of the more musical person in our family
1: yeah
0: um and so it's her son and so she, she played viola and was in choir growing up. And I was in choir too, but sports were definitely more my thing. And so yeah. her ki- her kids play sports and all that, but like they're also very musically inclined. And so, yeah. um, and then her daughter was going to be in The Sound of Music as well. Oh and so, my- and, and I think she, or she just got, I'm I'm confusing all the different musicals there. And she she's either was going to be in the Sound of Music or maybe this summer she's in a big production of the Sound of Music. I can't remember, but they're all they're all getting very into theater, and I love it. Like I'm so I was so excited to go see them perform, and it got canceled. So
1: oh, thankfully man. there
0: was some video of their like dress rehearsals and stuff, but it wasn't the same. So well,
1: that got to sidetrack you there, but oh, no, it's wonderful. <laughs> That's the whole disappointment piece. By the way, that fourth camp is untapped, and okay. I didn't even have to pull out my book. <laughs> <laughs> Because in my six sessions, I don't actually even address the six, the four camps, yes. that that what just came out, which is six videos. It's an online, um, easy to access video course of me mm-hmm. teaching six sessions, um, and then this complimentary or complimentary, yeah, complimentary um, um, PDF that's got prompt good you know, good questions. Like, let's pull it out. And, you know, great questions and more biblical teaching. So they go hand in hand. And, uh, and I love, I'm getting emails from people saying they're doing it together in groups because people want to be together. Some moms who have been teaching their kids, teaching their kids, teaching their kids. Now they're like, it's my turn. (laughs) I don't have to keep doing school for them. It's my turn. Six, you know, it's totally customizable. You can you can do the six sessions at your leisure. You own the link, so uh, you know it's it's been really wonderful. And I've heard people actually saying that they're um, they're watching their own videos in their homes, the videos that I have, and then they're joining with their friends in their backyard, and they're able to to pull up chairs, keeping the social distancing, and do the questions together. So I'm just, but anyway, I don't actually talk about the four camps in. Uh, the six sessions. I go after the glory that's on you and I go after the power that's in you and on you and I go after the life. So anyway, it's it's very exciting work. It's creative work and I love it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, you've got a lot of stuff going on. I love it because you were on your theater, you were on QVC, you got books out, mm-hmm. you know, how, how has all of this, you know, we talked before we recorded just about, you know, how your faith kind of blends in with your creativity. I mean as as you as you've, as you've kind of gone throughout your career i mean how has how has your faith shaped your approach to your different professions
1: Oh great question um okay, so my foundation is i am i don't just like Jesus I don't just want to follow him around mm-hmm. though i do though i do I am deeply in love with him, and that has really come it came as a little little girl before I even like I was little when he kind of truly awakened me and I had nothing to do with it. I didn't like, you know, you know, uh, fall on my face and on my knees when I was 16 or 25 or whatever. I was like 18 months old when I came to, uh, know who he was. And I, and it's the weirdest, it's a, it's an interesting and fabulous story. Um, but God has only revealed that to me in the last few years because I thought I was about seven or eight when I signed a little pledge and knelt knelt in an an altar. So the the premise for me is I am deeply in love. Like I look at my life call and I think, Oh my gosh, Lord, I have loved you a long time. Like I, my relationship with you has flourished and flourished, and I've always been a really um, a creative person, very demonstrative, very colorful. And I became, I was a singer when I was a little girl and I, I won, you know, um, some competitions and speech. I did a lot of speech, um, uh, competitions and things like that.
0: I did that in high school too. I was in speech. Did
1: you? That's the stuff I liked and I I would compete and, um, and I love it. And, uh, so for me, I've always loved fashion always. I mean, I'm not kidding. When I was in (laughs) middle school, middle school, I would like my mother, I was a latchkey kid because my dad left when I was a little girl and my mother would have to go to work. And I am not kidding. I would go through her closet and my own, and I would put together some great outfit, but I would wear one of her fancy rings. Like I was in middle school and I would get her heels and waddle to school. Like I was <laughs> so ridiculous, but yeah. I I was always just, I always loved fashion um, and then had worked in it. And my thing is. As I've grown, I mean, some of it was just embarrassing. But as I've grown in the performing arts, I always knew that the core of who I am is a lover of the living God. And if He puts me in a theater where there are very few Christians, <laughs> where where I was, you know, yeah. um, um, I'm. Oh my gosh, the stories of me in being in the green room, and I actually, you know. I've had some really interesting encounters with people uh, while working in theater. I was under no illusions about why I was there. And I wasn't like a pushy, I wasn't like that. Mm -hmm. But I always was aware that my first love is Jesus. My first love is the living God. And I get to express myself in this way. And I don't, I don't want to divide up the secular sacred. I don't know. He made me a Christian speaker. I don't even know what, what's going to become of that. Right. Joining QVC, same thing. You know, you're, you're working with celebrities. You're working with people on air talent. That's very, you know, it's very image minded and very much about the numbers. And, and, um, I would pray every single day heading to the theater, to the theater, to I would pray no matter what time of the day or night. Oh God, I give you thanks for this job. I love it. And I submit to your authority as if you don't want me there for whatever the reason you say the word, but I am grateful and use me as I go there today. Like I want to be used by you. Yeah. And he did like, he really used me in fun, powerful, um, ways that are continuing on even today, even yeah. though I'm not there, I left two years ago.
0: Yeah. So that reminds me of, of so my, my first episode that I ever did on this mm-hmm. podcast was with a guy named Ryan Allwart and he's a singer songwriter. And are you familiar with the a- cappella group called Straight No Chaser? No, um, but I'll
1: look it up right after the show.
0: So, so they're it was a group of guys that uh, it was formed at Indiana University and they, um, they're, they're, they're pretty famous now. And oh, wow. he, he was in the group for a while and he left to kind of do his own thing. Uh, he was—he's a singer. He's—he's a, he's a singer-songwriter on his own. But then he also, whenever he left originally, he wanted to go work with Young Life. Uh, but what he was—you know—we were—he actually does the music for the, the theme music for this podcast as well. So um, oh, fun. Um, but he was saying how every concert, you know, when you've got thousands of people cheering you on and standing, giving you a standing ovation, he says, I don't care how grounded you are in your faith that can jack with your sense oh, of identity yeah. and you know who you are. And so, at, you know, whenever you've been on TV, you've been on stage, you have people cheering you on, you yeah. have a lot of people watching you. How do you, how do you fight the battle to, because as humans, we want to, we, we want to congratulate ourselves. We want to tell ourselves how great we are. And whenever we have a lot of people telling us how good our stuff is, we start to get an inflated sense of self worth that doesn't come from Jesus. You know, how do you? I guess in your in your experience, how have you been able to, um, you know, not fall victim to that? Maybe maybe you struggle with it at times and fought it. I mean, what what was that like to go through? You know, performance and being on TV and still trying to make sure that your identity was solely in Christ.
1: Well, that is a very
0: real struggle. I mean, yeah. and the
1: thing is, you know what, Cole? Sometimes I've said to people, you know. I, you know, I, I've struggled with pride in this area. And I have people, Christians come back to me and say, not you, Nancy, not you. And I'm <laughs> like, don't put that pressure on me. Yeah. I, and I'm under no illusions. If you are an upfront person, if you are building a, 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 a an electronic platform, you're in this, you're building, I get it. I am too. Listen, I, then you are, you are right out there. You poke your head up. You know, um, Dallas Willard, he talks, about, he talks about this in relation to being wealthy, which by the way, if you're living in America, you are relative right. to the next, you know, <laughs> right. the rest of the world. But um, I think of it too, when it comes to being an upfront person and doing these kinds of things, you are walking very close to hell for heaven's sake. Wow. That's uh-huh. Good. All right. And, I, and so for me, I'm like, listen, I am an upfront person. I am a spokesperson. I am, that is, and I'm not going to downplay that and I'm not going to disown it. That's part of, again, going back to meant to live. Own the gifting, own the strengths. They are gifts from the living God, but make no mistake, your glory that is in you and on you, and you want to own that. That's why we get afraid, right? Oh, I don't want to take the glory of God. I don't, he'll, he won't share his glory with another. He's like, are you crazy? In, my image is all over you. My glory, 75% of the gospel, if you divide it into four points, three of those four points is your glory in, you know, for God and from God, through God and to God. But don't, 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 you know, disown your glory, own it. But, um, But I think for me, I remember my mom always saying when I was a little girl and I'd get up to sing a solo at church, she would always say to me before I got up, she'd be praying and holding my hand and, you know, probably more nervous than i And then she'd say, give the glory to God, Nancy, give him the glory child. And that has been on me that blessing. I think actually, as I look at it today, I think that blessing has been on my life. So when I start to see that crap come up in me and it does, I'll tell you a couple things I do right away. One of the things is I have um, deliberately gotten on the floor to pray. Like a lot of people, Christians don't feel it necessary to kneel. We don't have to, you know, we're not under rules or whatever. Yeah, you're right. You're not. But do you know what's in you and, the, in, and how much you want, yeah. <laughs> you want this? Um, so I know myself too well. So for me, submitting to God, physically getting my body on the floor in submission to him helps me remember you are the glorious one and I get to fall under that, but I will not forget it. And I actually will utter the words, not every day, but lots and lots. I submit to your authority. I submit to your authority. Um, I think a lot of times when you're on a platform or you've had a great show and I've sold, you know, 40,000 bucks a (laughs) minute, look at that, you know, to get off that to give thanks to God. Oh God, thank you. And then God, if there's anything that got on me during that time, any pride, any look at me, any look at me, I'm a hero. God, strip it away in the name of Jesus. Like I think those kinds of combative prayers are really important. Here's another one, especially as I build a ministry. I don't know if you ever struggle with this, but comparison.
0: Oh gosh. I was so happy we would talk about this.
1: (laughs) If you start to look at other people doing what you want to do, right? You have this thing in you you're like, yes, I want to do that. I am building to do that. God has given me a calling, an anointing, a commissioning to do that. Now watch, so you start looking at other people doing what you're doing, only they're way far ahead. And this stuff comes up in you. One of the things I do, like, for two things, I guess, but one I just want to share is to say, God, this is coming up in me, like as if he doesn't know, but God, this is coming up in me. And I, I confess it in Jesus name, move into that part in me that's broken and breathe your resurrection power. And the next thing I do is I pray for the person I feel envious of more favor on their ministry. Yeah. More favor on them. Oh God. And I'm telling you, you start to just do that. You know, I'm looking at these various wonderful speakers. Listen, I want to be, I I'm, speaking i am doing this work i love the work but when you start to you've got to just stay in your lane keep your eyes on christ and his kingdom but when you start to look over there to learn a thing or two and then you start to feel it coming up in you don't act like it isn't coming up it goes back to the repentance Mm -hmm. deal with it deal with what you see that's coming up. Christ has the power to, to that's, this goes back to the six sessions this is what I teach people how to do this kind of stuff. How do I not deny that it's there, but look at it, pull it out, stare it in the face and say, you have no power over me. Get the hell out. Excuse my language. (laughs) (laughs) Literally (laughs) get the hell out.
0: (laughs) I was so hoping, I was so hoping that we would get into a little bit of comparison. I would say, Almost half of my conversations on this podcast have dealt with the idea of comparison in some way because for me personally, that is the biggest thing that I deal with daily. And my wife has seen me at the pit of my frustration with, you know I, I understand how the game has to be played. I, I don't have a, a huge platform right now, and so yeah. I understand whenever I send a book proposal, I have to have I have to say, "Look, here are my numbers." here's all this stuff. And I hate it because I I had a friend on earlier this year and he's an author as well. And he said, it would just be nice if the merit of your work was what was the determining factor, if your book was published or not, but I know it's not. And so I get caught up in the numbers of how many podcast downloads do I have? How many Instagram and Twitter followers do I have? How many subscribers do I have to my email list? I get caught up in that because I feel like in some ways I have to, and I hate it because what what it does is it causes me to compare myself to other people and say what I'm doing is either not as good or not as valuable as what they're putting out there. And it's such a dangerous thing. And I had pastor, uh, author Luke Norsworthy on a couple uh, a couple weeks ago, and he has a book out just now that's called – befriending your monsters. And it's all about the different lies yes. that were told. And we talked, we talked a ton of that conversation about the, the monster of comparison. And he yeah. used, he used a ton of different, really good examples. And one of my favorites, just as a sports fan that he brought up was, if you remember, it may have been the last Olympics. I can't remember, but Michael Phelps, obviously the greatest swimmer in the world was yeah. swimming, was swimming in a race. And there was a guy from South Africa, I think that was in the lane next to him. And there's a very famous photo where Uh, Michael Phelps is focused on his lane only and the guy next to him is looking right at him. And he, and he's behind him. And what was crazy was that the guy from South Africa had actually beaten Phelps in that same race recently. But it's, and so people use that as like, you know, focus on your lane, focus on what you're, what you can do. And uh, not, not like the condescending stay in your lane phrase, but like literally focus on what your strengths are, focus on what you're doing. And it's so hard because like, as a podcaster or as a writer, I look at other people and I'm like, you know, I see what they're doing. I'm doing the same thing. Why is my stuff not getting as well received? Yeah. And it's so dangerous because like yeah. I, I, I've almost quit this podcast because I was so frustrated yeah. by it. And, and like, yeah. like literally back in January, I was like, what's the point? Nobody's listening to this, blah, blah, blah. And I just started, I was like, I don't even know. Like I just started my podcast in November and I just, you know, I, I, I for anybody that's listening that has ever struggled with comparison, I mean, you, you have, you are told, by Jesus, who you are and you are loved. You are, everybody has, everybody's equipped with their own strengths. And I think the problem is that we see other people's strengths and we want their strengths. We don't see the value in our own strength. And I, and I just wrote this in my book uh, in the, in the chapter that I worked on this past weekend. But you know, one of the greatest lies that the Bible or not one of the greatest lies in the Bible that we see that comes from Satan was in Genesis, whenever he told Eve that if she ate the fruit, she would be like Jesus. And the reason why that's a lie is because she already was, and she didn't realize that. And so she felt like she had to eat the fruit to, to be somebody that she like already that. was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Comparison. Compare, I, I, if, I, if I'm fortunate to write a second book, it's going to be about comparison because right. I, I, just, like, I, just, I feel so strongly about it because it's, it's something that I deal with every single day.
1: Yeah. And I think there's so much, I would say, now my maternal stuff's coming out, not just for <laughs> you. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Right. My maternal stuff, but for the, for, for us, for the church, because we want everything now. And I'll tell yeah. you what, with, with all it, it, for me, you know, um, I stepped away from a job I loved, and they would just send me the work. <laughs> yeah, and then when yeah. God made it abundantly clear, child, the rest of your life, you are going to be a Christian speaker, a preacher. You go back to the bottom. Nobody cares what you, you know, I mean, they care, but they don't. I had I had a uh, an agent say to me, if you really want to be a preacher, Nancy, a, a speaker, then um, you need to be famous first. He actually said that. And I said, I said, uh, "No wonder the church is in decline here in North America." Yeah. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Reg- he may have been saying that as dis- as disillusioned as I can be, right? He may have been saying that, saying, "This is the reality." I hate to tell you the reality, or he may have been saying it, buying into it. Yes. You yeah. want to preach the gospel, then be famous. You know what? My job my job is to submit to the authority of christ if he has called me it's his job to make it happen right. if he says here is your audience child here is your your audience is 200, 200 people by the way 200 people do you know what the average size of of the american church is 70. wow if you have 70 people listening to you i was going to a homeless shelter where people would come and go as I'm speaking and heckle me and all kinds of stuff you know for four years a homeless shelter just about 20 minutes from my home because god said Nancy you're not going to teach that bible class where everyone's going we love you we love you you're out over there you go and i think this whole process call is is absolutely you know when when david was commissioned by god and anointed as king it was 20 some years later before he wore the crown and he went through all that stuff with saul And God is not he will he is going to develop his people and I am in it for the long run it is not a sprint yeah I am in it for the long run and I'm going to continue every day I sit in a chair when I pray and I at the end of end of my time I mean it's like God what do you want me to pick up and put down today I am yours you build whatever you want you move me where you want you have me speaking into whatever whatever uh, avenue or platform you want, I belong to you, right? Because this is is the prayer, bind me and make me the woman or the man to serve at the master's will. That's your job. That's my job. And he will do with me what he chooses. I mean, that's the truth. And if you don't like it, not you, Cole, (laughs) but your listener, right? If I don't like it, then you know what, That's pe- people are going to go, I'm out of here. I'm not getting the glory. I w- I'm not getting the numbers. I'm not getting the whatever that I'm not getting.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. Yeah, that's right. You're not. And God is like, darn right, you're not. And yeah. I will never trust you with a platform of yeah. any consequence. So I'm just like down going, just keep going, keep submitting, keep asking, keep, just stay the course, yeah. stay the course, you yeah. know?
0: Yeah. And that's, I mean, that was a big reason why I left journalism because I noticed that I was, I was so focused on like, just it, you know, whenever you, whenever you put something out there, it's all about like how many reads it gets, how many clicks does it get? Oh, and no. it just was like, I, you know, Makes I
1: cray cray. Yeah. Cray cray. I, yeah. I,
0: and, I, and I just, like, I just want to I have, I know that I have an ability to write. That's always what I've been the most, like, you know, I, I do, I, I do this podcast because I love interviewing people. Like that's the part I miss about, um, journalism, but I've always like writing is where I'm always the most comfortable. And like, I I know that God has given me that ability and the ability to communicate. And I'm like, I just want to do that for his glory. I don't want to do it for my own personal gain. And and I found that even whenever I started doing that, I was still like, well, why is like, I would submit an article to uh, relevant or Christianity today or something like that. And they either wouldn't publish it or I wouldn't, I wouldn't hear back. And I was like, what, why wouldn't they want to publish that? You know, it's like, I would just, all of those thoughts would come into my brain where I'm like, you know, why is what I'm saying not good enough compared to these other people? And it's like, I don't know what all the factors are. And (laughs) I just, you know, and like, I don't, understand, you know, like, I don't know what, what they're wanting to publish right now or not. And I just, I'm so, like, I'm so short-sighted so often. And that's how I was with, this podcast That's how I've been with a lot of things and I I hope anybody listening that has ever dealt with comparison here's what you said because especially like I I really like what you just said a minute ago really resonated with me like you know if God has given you an ability to 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 even have a small platform like you said where you got 50 to 100 people listening to a podcast like I think it is important that we steward that well and 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 not not just always desire for more and more and more like I and I need to remind myself that like, be thankful for just whatever platforms God has given me, even if it's, you know, relatively small compared to somebody else, you know? So I think that's a really great way to put it.
1: And you know, Cole, the fact is you and I are talking right now. I mean, I would teach these Bible classes, two or three classes in a year and, you know, do all this stuff and then have the, have the ministry that I really looked at it as ministry at QVC. Um, And then in the summers, I'd stop teaching Bible and I'd say, if anybody wants to be mentored, come and sit around my table. And there'd be like five people. It was brilliant to have five people. Um, I I really believe like what's happening right now between a brother and a sister, right? You're encouraging me. I'm encouraging you. If other people are listening in, blessed be the name of the Lord. My whole thing is, listen there there's enough and you know there's enough um there's got to be more to life than this there was something in me uh, you know when i was raising my boys and we moved from canada where i had been on the stage wigs and makeup and gowns and da, 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 i loved it moved to the u.s and um and uh, I'm like the, the boys are, are, are getting all set up and they're going off to school every day. My husband's traveling all around the world. And I, uh-huh, like a fool sat on the floor every Monday. And that was my cleaning day. Cause the weekends would, <laughs> you know, would be done and the house would be a wreck and I would clean and I'd do laundry, sit on the floor, scrubbing stains with shouts, like doing this right. Scrub, scrub, scrub. And I would cry and I would say, God, <laughs> there's got to be more to life than this. Yeah. Like, I'm, uh, there's so much more in me. There's so much more I want to do. And, and I sense the Lord saying, you be faithful in the little things. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do unto me, Nancy. Yeah. And I am telling you, that has served me well. Yeah. And I really do believe, you know, God is like, don't despise the day of small beginning. I am building you I am developing you. And have you looked at any of my other servants throughout scripture? That is what I do. That is what I do. So I'm like, okay, because you will, you whatever your whatever your the character that God is building as we go through COVID, as we go through this racial ridiculousness as we go through, you know, colon cancer and the death of a friend and raising our kids or not getting kids or whatever, building a career, building a ministry. God is at work, but he is not a microwave yesterday kind of, it's like, no, no, steady, 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 do the work, you know?
0: This is, this is so great. I, I feel like we could go on for yeah. another hour, another two hours on this. This is just so, this is so good stuff. And I hope people that are listening really take this to heart. And, you know, just because I, all of these topics, all of these topics yeah. are so prevalent to what we're going through in 2020. I mean, this year has felt like just these last five months, have felt like two years worth of time and events and everything that's happening in 2020. It's just, it's been a hard year for all of us in a lot of ways. So, so Nancy, one of the the, the final questions I always like to ask my guests. So the show is called in no hurry. And so Mm. typically, you know, I would ask this, you know, before COVID, how do you create space to slow down in your life and, and, yeah. and focus and recalibrate and focus? Well, now that we've kind of lived through COVID the last couple of months, I mean, what has been kind of your go-to rhythm for either continuing to slow down or maintaining like the, you know, the, the piece where you can just kind of recalibrate and focus on your relationship with the Lord, or even just maybe to relax and have some time for yourself.
1: So the truth is I don't do well when it comes to relaxing. Um, we always taught our boys, um, work hard, play hard, rest well. And I, I mean, I do Sabbath when it comes to Sunday. It's not a religion. It's not a religious thing. Um, it is, I desperately need to Sabbath. So I do really do. I really rest unless I'm speaking or teaching that's different, but I take Sunday and I Sabbath, I go for walks and I try to walk slower. I don't do my typical brisk. I walk slower. I will drive slower. Um, So that's a very deliberate thing I do. Daily though, with with or without COVID, like I sit with the Lord daily. And this morning, you know, I walked with a neighbor of mine. I walk with her, you know, once a week. Um, And we walk at 7.30. I'm up at 6.00. Because I know that if I don't do it before I go out, then it's going to get, I mean, you know, I'm going to pray all day long. I don't just relegate my time with God. You know, I'm going to pray throughout the day, but I need to sit and read the scriptures and I sit and listen to God and will be quiet. So these are the practices that um, are the traditional practices of the people of God. And um, I can talk about practicing the presence of God all day long, which I believe absolutely. But I think there's nothing, there's no substitute for, um, I'm going to the counseling office right now, which is a particular chair that I have in my, <laughs> in my front room. And I sit with the counselor and the God, you know, the, the, the Holy spirit, I sit with God and he counsels me and he gets my eyes up and he, Changes my perspective, and he reminds me that in Him is life. And you know, we talk about meant to live, and the six sessions that I just put out there. I'm like, oh, there is life to be had. There is genuine life to be had. But you, you might want to stop running around looking for it and sit your hiney down and discover life. You know, and man, the fire will be lit. So for me, there's no substitute for that time. So that's what I do. And that was before COVID and that's during COVID and
0: <laughs> after that's COVID. the way it is <laughs>
1: yeah. after COVID. And yeah.
0: Well, Nancy, this was so great. Where can people connect with you and find your work, your mental live and other things that you've put, you've put out, where, where can people connect with you and find all that?
1: Oh Well, certainly um, meant to live. That's the biggest thing right now that I'm so proud of and so excited about, totally excited about. So that's on my website, Nancyhickslive.com. And then, and then I'm on various platforms, speaking of the platforms, you know, um, uh, I'm on Facebook. so everything is Nancy Hicks Live. Facebook, Instagram. Pinterest and Twitter. Those are new for me, Pinterest and Twitter. Okay. And so, but Facebook, uh, Facebook and and Instagram, I have been around for a bit. But anyway, everything is Nancy Hicks Live and oh my golly, we do so many fun things. And um, so anyway, I love to connect with people and I actually, you know, can I just say, going back to the whole platform thing, this is something I learned from Rachel Held Evans. Do you remember her? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, and I pray for her and Dan now, you know, now that God has taken her Um, But for her children and for Dan, um, one thing she said, I saw her uh, being interviewed and they were talking about the whole platform building thing. And her sister, I think said this at the, at the funeral, she's like, she wasn't so focused on the platforms because she actually loved the people. She was just, and that's how I look at all these platforms. I'm like, they're people for Pete's sake. It's a person. You're a real person. So to actually minister, to be able to minister, and that's what she did really, really, really well and you yeah. saw it in her books and you saw it in her comments she saw the one she saw the people and I'm like man that's the way I want to rock and roll too yeah. so anyway my platforms <laughs> social yeah. media there we are
0: well thank you so much Nancy thank, uh, this, for all the, the truth and the encouragement that you spoke in this conversation I really hope people are blessed by it and I, and I know they will be so th- thank you so much for joining the show this was a lot of fun
1: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me and keep going.
0: (laughs) Isn't Nancy just awesome? I just love her energy and really the truth that she brought to this conversation. We had never met before this conversation and right away I could tell that we just had a great vibe with each other. And I really, really appreciated this conversation, especially what she had to say about suffering and pain and sorrow and especially comparison. As you guys know, if you've listened week to week, you know that that is a topic that we talk about quite a bit on this show. And I just know for a lot of people right now, that's something that they struggle with, especially me personally. And so I really hope that what Nancy had to say resonated with you. If it did, please share this conversation with somebody who you think might enjoy it and as always reach out to nancy and let her know that you enjoyed hearing her on this podcast if you didn't catch her social media links in the episode i'll have them in the show notes so just make sure that you check those out i'll also have links for her book meant to live and the meant to live six sessions that we talked about so make sure that you check those out as well if you guys need me at all you know where to find me i am cole claiborne on pretty much any social media platform i would love to connect with you guys there if you need the links for that those are all in the show notes as well. I would love for you to sign up for my newsletter. If you have not signed up yet, I'm going to run a giveaway. If you sign up this week and you get someone else to sign up, you both will be entered into a giveaway for a Starbucks gift card. So I would love for you to be a part of that. I'd love for your friends, or your family members to be a part of that. I send out a newsletter every single week with a devotional. And what I hope is some encouragement to start your week. So check out the link in the show notes to subscribe to that as well. Next week, I'm super excited about the episode. I won't give too much away. If you follow me on Twitter, you may have already seen it. But if you're a baseball fan, particularly if you are a St. Louis Cardinals fan, you will really enjoy next week's episode. So make sure you tune back for that. But in the meantime, hope you guys have a great week. Hope you guys find some time to relax and not be in a hurry. And we will see you next week.